Welcome to The Porch, an online community of believers committed to restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence of the early church. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. This is where we get back to basics, the red-letter basics, by examining the Word of God and the example of the Book of Acts Church to discover how the early church served the Lord. In doing so, we discovered the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. The Porch on the Air since March of 2010 can only be heard on Firefall Talk Radio, which is a part of the Firefall Media Group. We're glad you're with us. To reach us click the contact button on the Firefall Talk Radio homepage at firefalltalkradio.com. If you want to support what we do there are ways to do that starting with the PayPal link at the bottom of the homepage. You can also use the Venmo app, which is easier to use and has fewer fees, where we can be found under at Firefall Media Group. One word. Uppercase on FMG. Thank you to each and every one of you who support what we do. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Give as the Lord leads. And now, to the Bible study with Richard Grund. Psalm 9 verse 1 says, I will praise you, O Lord. With my whole heart I will tell of all your marvelous works. 1 Peter 2 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Well, we always start out by praising him. We don't enter his presence without thanksgiving and praise. And no matter what's going on in your life, that's the way you should do it. So I praise him. Praise him for my salvation. Otherwise, I'm not here and I don't know who's doing the show. But I am here because I got saved on October 9th, 1988. He gave me back my family, my wife, my sons, Eventually, I wound up with two daughter-in-laws and a grandson and a bunch of furry kids, both here and others that have gone on. I've been blessed, and I am blessed, and I am being blessed because of my relation with relationship with him, so I praise him. Praise him for all the possessions, all the technology, all the things that are allowing me to speak to you right now. I praise him for his provisions, his protection over each and every one of us, for the dreams and the visions and the uh, the fulfillment of the prophecies and everything that we're seeing today. We may not like everything that we see, but everything that we see is because of him. So praise him. Praise him for his healing virtues that are still available to us. Praise him for favor and revelation, for being a new creation and living in these prophetic times. So many people wish they could be here during this time, and you're probably thinking, I don't know why, it doesn't seem so fun, but we're watching the words of the Bible come true. I'm praising him for the signs that he's getting ready to return. I don't know when it is, but I know that we're seeing the things that indicate it's coming. So let's get ready. Let's do that by prayer. You should be praying every day, praying for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Psalm 122 verse 6 should be on your list. I pray for America. I pray for 
God, to shed his grace on thee, on thee, us. I pray for mercy. I pray for divine intervention. I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the persecuted, and the martyred, the innocent, and those who are victims of injustice. I pray against the slaughter of the innocents, the in and out of the womb, both human and animal. It, it, it upsets me every day. I can't get away from it. For the missing and exploited children, for the victims of sex trafficking, human trafficking. doesn't seem like many people care, but we do. For our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith, the religious persecution and the anti-Semitism and the spirit of the Antichrist becoming bolder and bolder as it prepares for its personal unveiling. But he should know that as long as the church is here, he has a problem. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as we get back to our divine design. I pray for healing of all those who are injured or sick right now, heart, mind, body, soul, or spirit. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, I speak to you. And I say, be healed, be made whole in Yeshua's name. I pray for those that I call the remnant, the called out ones, the ones that have made it through, the ones that are standing and fighting in this time to wake up and to rise up and answer the call to action. Do what needs to be done. Become a prayer warrior. And if you've been blessed, be a blessing. If you know somebody that's been blessed, tell them. Tell them, hey, I know of a ministry, I know of a group of people that go out and help people with problems that nobody else can help them with. I know some people that want to expose what the enemy's doing and to raise up an army, a spiritual army, the army of God. I pray that we would prosper in accordance with his word, that the open conduits of his blessings to fund all the dreams and the visions and the missions, not just what we have with SRT or Firefall or the Porch, but all the ones that are out there that have been ordained by him to further the kingdom of God. And, of course, we pray for all of our lost family members to find their way into the kingdom. My wife and I are asking prayer for our son Jesse and our grandson Jason. Uh, they've been dealing with some stuff over the last couple of weeks, and they need wholeness, health, and healing in their bodies. So agree with us in that. Mark in South Carolina. Mark is Dawn's husband. Dawn um, offers us prayer requests periodically. She's been also a help to SRT over the years. Uh, Mark had a medical emergency and a surgery yesterday to remove blood clots in his lungs. They kept him overnight due to low blood pressure, and they're dealing with uh, getting him stabilized. So we're praying for a quick, quick respond to what they're doing, uh, healing, wholeness, and uh, praise him for getting to it before it was too late. Also offering prayers for continued healing and favor in regard to the bill and the cost of their medicines. They don't have insurance, so they need divine favor. Kim in Fort Mitchell, she says, we're doing better. She doesn't think that they had COVID again. As she said last week, she praised the Lord for keeping her sober for the past four years and for the days to come. She praises him that she's able to praise him freely and uh, whenever she wants. She says, thank you, Father, for your protection, your blessings. Father, please pray for the porch communities. Our families are under attack. Lord, I pray for your divine protection. I'm asking for healing within our families, 
keeping keep your hands over our children and grandchildren. She's asking for the Lord to save her mother's soul, and I hope some of you are praying in that regard and to deliver her family the way she was. She says, deliver me when I fall short. Please forgive me for being impatient sometimes. Lord, I've been praying for a scholarship for my son, Maurice. Please favor him and bless him with the right scholarship that you want him to have. And finally, she ends with, again, importantly, Lord, save souls in Jesus' name. Lord, you know all these things, but we come to you. We say them out loud. We speak them um, in faith as your children. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for taking care of Mark. We thank you for healing our families, our sons, daughters, our children, grandchildren. We thank you for the blessings that we've had and the blessings that are coming. But most of all, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for loving us when we were unlovable and for seeking us and saving us. We thank you for Yeshua, your only begotten Son, who died on the cross for our sins, shed every drop of blood, endured the pain, the shame, and everything that they did to him for us. So, Lord, we thank you for that. But we also thank you that you're alive. You're not some dead prophet or religious figure. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and you are alive. And we thank you for that. We thank you for giving us access to the throne room and to the use of your name. We thank you for sending back the Holy Spirit to walk with us, the Ruach HaKadosh, to guide us, to counsel us, to encourage us. And I ask you to do that right now. I ask that you encourage the listeners, your sons and your daughters, that no matter what they're going through, you're there with them in it, just like you were with the children of Israel as they crossed over into the promised land. We trust you, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way. We take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah. We claim the mind of Messiah, and we cast down every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of El Elyon, God Most High, our Father. So speak to us, teach us, touch us, have your way. In Yeshua's name, amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. See, we've been talking about kingdom, kingdom building. That's what Joshua was doing with the children of Israel as they entered the promised land. The twelve tribes inheriting the promise made to Abram the kingdom of God on earth. We know we'll see that when he comes back. 
Well, we've never really seen it tangibly. We've never really seen it uh, uh, geographically. We, we know it spiritually. Last week we talked about Joshua chapter 3 in verse 9 where he says to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. By this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he would without fail drive out from before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, Perizzite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, and the Jebusite. And as I like to say, all the pains in the ite. Behold the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you, leading the way into the Jordan. So now take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe. And when the soles of the feet of the priests who carried the ark of the covenant, the Lord of all the earth, come to rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan flowing down from above will be cut off, and they will stand in one mass of water. So when the people set out, from their tents to cross over the Jordan with the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And when those who were carrying the Ark came up to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests carrying the Ark were submerged at the edge of the Jordan, for the Jordan overflows all of its banks throughout the time of the harvest, the waters which were flowing down from above stopped and rose up in one mass a great distance away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. These waters flowing downward towards the sea the Dead Sea were completely cut off. So the people crossed the river opposite Jericho, and while all the people of Israel crossed over on dry ground, the priests who had carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan riverbed until the nation had finished crossing over the Jordan. The feet of the priests carrying the Ark had to walk into the water, now remember, it's overflowing. The snow and and the from Mount Hermon is is draining and it's coming down. And the river banks overflowing. It could average twelve feet. I read today sometimes it went up to seventeen feet. But they had to walk into the water. They had to take a step of faith before the miracle happened. Now here they are. They're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They got it on their shoulders, four men with, with each of the poles. And they step in, knowing full well that if he doesn't deliver, they could get swept down and taken away. But that's not what happened. And remember, these are not people that were there when the Red Sea was parted. All of those adults beside Joshua and Caleb are gone. They're experiencing this for the first time. So they had to carry the ark into the water first, be obedient to show their faith. The, the ark, the symboliz, symbolizing the ruling presence of God amongst his people, the tabernacle of God, the presence of God. Crossing over, brothers and sisters, crossing over begins with steps of faith. Holman Bible Dictionary tells us that the, the Jordan River rises from the foot of Mount Hermon and flows into the Dead Sea. And there's something to that. I don't have the symbolism yet from Mount Hermon, uh, the place where in Genesis 6 the watchers came down and broke covenant with God and created the Nephilim and the giants and caused the flood, the Mount Hermon, that would eventually be a place of the transfiguration. But right now it symbolizes evil. It symbolizes at the base of the mountain is the pan of grotto, uh, the, the grotto of pan. 
Maybe there's a pan in the grotto that belonged to Pan. I don't know. But I do know this, is that this is a demonic place. This is a place of pagan worship. It's a place where they believe the tribe of Dan settled and disappeared as they got assimilated into Canaan, into the surrounding areas, into the darkness, into the evil. The Jordan River is nearly 100 feet wide near Jericho. As I said, it could be as little as five feet, but since this is the overflow time of the the harvest, it's 12 to 17 feet. In the natural, they're in an impossible situation, just like they were crossing the Red Sea, except this time there's no Pharaoh and his chariots chasing them. But the, the miracle is no less impressive because they crossed over on dry ground, not muddy ground, not shallow water. Two miracles. The water backed up 25 miles, and the riverbed was dry. Why? Why 25 miles? And why did they need a dry riverbed? Well, if you go to Joshua 4.13, it says about 40,000 men from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh had crossed over first, armed and ready for battle. They were going to uh, be the tip of the spear and protect them should there be anything on the other side. So that's 40,000 men. But then behind them come an estimated 2.5 million people to cross over on dry ground possibly considering how long it takes one person to walk 100 feet, plus what they're carrying, plus what they're pulling, their livestock, the carts, the tents, the tabernacle. It maybe took three to four hours, maybe more. I don't know. But the fact that it was on dry ground gets emphasized. And then we got to think about the priest standing there and holding the ark for hours. Did the same four hold the ark the whole time? Did they rotate in and out? I don't know. But I will tell you this. I looked it up. The ark was estimated to have weighed anywhere between 200 to 300 pounds based on his makeup. One man named Josiah Derby wrote the gold ark, the gold of the ark in the Jewish Bible quarterly in October of 2005. He estimated it weighed 288 pounds. Rabbi David Schatz of Ph.D. from Polytechnic Institute of Brooklyn, who with ordination from Yeshiva University estimated it at only 183 pounds. Well, whether it was 183 or 288 or some of the rabbinical teachers said it was over 300 pounds, whatever it was, they had to stand there and not move until the last person crossed over, until the rocks were set up on the other side, until the rocks was of memorial stones were set up in the water. And just in case you wanted to know, in today's value, the gold and silver of the Ark of the Covenant, the gold would have been worth $157 million. No, that can't be right. Total between the gold and the silver was one, one point hundred seventy-eight point eight billion dollars. Billion with the B. Gold, the kind of gold we can't get today. I'm gonna check those numbers. I got that from a commentary. That doesn't seem right. I'll let you know next week. It was a lot of money. 
and the water is being held up, and they can see the water. The same water that they've been walking beside this entire time. A miracle that they'd heard about. They'd heard the testimony of Joshua and Caleb, but they had not experienced a miraculous crossing magnifying Joshua's leadership. He is now fully Moses' replacement, both prophet and warrior. But more than anything, what it proves to them and to their enemies on the other side, which we'll get to next week, is that the Lord God was alive, and he was with them, and he would drive out their enemies. Now, the ark, I said, symbolizes the presence of God, but do you realize that you have inside of you the Word? You have inside of you resurrected life, the the Aaron's rod with the buds on it. You have inside of you the, the manna and the Spirit. You are the Ark of the Covenant now. You are a temple. You are holy. And wherever you should be, the glory of God should be with you. But let's look at what they did. In both Joshua 3.12 and Joshua 4.2, he says, Take for yourself twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. But he didn't tell them what they were doing. Twelve men representing all the tribes, excluding Levi, who were out there in the riverbed, the priest, who were the only ones who could carry the ark. We know the twelve tribes are complete, even with uh, the absence of Dan, they added Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, in Genesis 48, 5. But here's what he does. He tells them to call the 12, 12 men together, and he appoints them. He appoints them from the children of Israel. He says, cross over before the ark of the Lord, before your God into the midst in the, of the Jordan. And each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. And the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a remote memorial to the children of Israel forever. So, Carrying a stone on their shoulder implies it was heavy, probably upwards to 100 pounds. Twelve men, twelve stones. And they erect a monument to remind them of the miracle of the crossing. And then, once they got to the other side, they had to get twelve stones from the river where the Levites stood. And they had to... put a memorial there that would then be covered by the water for future generations that they would see it when the water receded or the tide was low. This concept of memorials and remembrances, now we don't do that much anymore. Though some don't, I do. I can tell you the day and the time of my salvation. I can tell you where I was. It's a memorial to me. It's a memorial to the Lord. It's my way to remember what he did for me. 
October 9th, 1988. It was about 11.45, 11.48 in the morning. Pastor Shelley had just got done preaching. I don't remember what he preached on that day. I don't remember anything. I just remember standing up, hearing the voices inside of me screaming, run, get out of here. Don't remember walking down to the altar. Do remember kneeling down. Do remember my brother-in-law, John, kneeling in front of me and asking me a question. Richard, what are you doing here? And I told him. I've messed up my life, and I need a Savior. Those are my stones. Those are when I crossed over. I remember that moment. That's what the children of Israel had. They had a way to remember it. And the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded, took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan. And as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over to the place where they lodged and laid them there. And then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood. And there they are to this day. Remember that. A second memorial in the Jordan, submerged as soon as the river resumed its flow. Maybe in the dry seasons you might see it, but it's always there where the Levites' feet touch the riverbed. But the sad thing is, they never inquire about it again once the Jordan River has flowed again. The 12 stone memorial. would disappear in the waters of the Jordan just as the Egyptian army had perished in the waters of the Red Sea so many years before. Twelve stones, a memorial to God's holiness, to his justice, and his presence. But there will come a day, and I'll share it with you soon, when it does matter, and when the feet of the Holy One stands in that river. God, the God of signs and wonders. 1 Corinthians one twenty two. For Jews demand a sign, attesting the miracles, and Greeks pursue worldly wisdom and philosophy. The Jews were seeking a miraculous sign about the Messiah to signal the beginning of the deliverance that God had promised them, but it didn't come as they expected it, just like The Red Sea experience wasn't what they expected. The Jordan experience wasn't what they expected. We're going to hear about the Jericho experience. It wasn't what they expected. Folks, I know some of you are disappointed. I know some of you have not seen what's been prophesied or what you believe that you've heard. But the problem is, it's not him, it's us. Our expectation and our perception may have been wrong. Our timing may have been off, but if he promised it, he's faithful to do what he said. The Jews, the Pharisees, came out and began to argue contentiously and debate with Yeshua, demanding from him a sign from heaven to test him because of their unbelief. Why do we need signs? Why did they need signs attesting to a miracle as in Mark 11 and John 30? They want to see something supernatural. They want proof. The proof was right there. Every aspect of his life fulfilled prophecy to the letter. 
And the Greeks, they're just too smart for their own good. They want wisdom to answer all their questions about God and life. But you know what it needs? It needs the childlike faith of stepping into the water, which is rushing down from the mountain to get your miracle. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. They were walking by faith and not by sight. I was thinking about it today. You could say, well, that was then and it was different then. We should have more miracles now. We should see more things like this now. We have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We have the creative power of the universe of Almighty God, the Spirit that raised Yeshua from the dead. We have it inside of us. It should be normal, everyday occurrence. And the scriptural lessons in this account provide to us an eternal understanding of his power. But there's also a part here that I I don't want to share, but I will because it's important. There's a different perspective that might even be considered disheartening. And it has to do with the waters that got buried under, the stones that got buried under the water. Remember, Moses represented the law, and that took them as far as they could go. Joshua, whose name means God is salvation, he represented the miraculous deliverance of the Lord God, taking the children into the promised land. He becomes a picture of grace and a, and a, a type of Yeshua, becomes an example, a foreshadowing of Yeshua, the one who would lead sinners into the promised land and deliver them from the wilderness of sin. So the stones that were carried across the Jordan, they represent those set free by the salvation of the Lord. They represent those who crossed over. What about the stones that are left in the river that don't cross over and get covered up by the waters that come rushing down? Well, those stones were not saved. They represent those who did not inherit the promised land. In many ways, they represented a memorial to all those that had died in the wilderness over 40 years because of their lack of faith. See, water in the Bible can represent God's judgment from which we are to be saved. Psalm Psalm 18, verse 6, the Amplified, In my distress, when I seemed surrounded, I called upon the Lord. And cried out to my God for help. He heard my voice from his temple. And my cry for help came before him into his very ears. Jumping down to verses 16 through 19 of Psalm 18. He reached from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy. And from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he was pleased with me and delighted in me. Psalm 69, verses 14 and 15, Rescue me from the mire and do not let me sink. Let me be rescued from those who hate me and from the deep waters. Do not let the flood water overwhelm me, nor the deep waters swallow me up, nor the pit of Sheol shut its mouth over me. 
the children of Israel carrying that ark on their shoulder, they would have sunk into the mire. All those people walking across, they would have sunk into it. All the carts, all the animals, they would never have made it across in the period of time they needed to. So he gave them dry land, not muddy, dry land. You may not see it, but when you cross over into a promise, he has cleared a path for you. I can look back and see those moments. Twelve memorial stones to remind Israel of the Lord God's salvation. It's amazing to me that he did this for them. The other thing about erecting the twelve stones on the other side, representing the twelve tribes of Israel, in accordance with the customs of the day, they were declaring ownership and claiming the land of Canaan as their own. Sometimes you have to be bold. Sometimes you have to believe. And they did. Not only were they saved, not only had they crossed over, they were claiming their promised land. The Ark of the Covenant. Someday we'll see it again. It really doesn't. It doesn't have the meaning for us that it did for the children of Israel because of our relationship with the Lord being born again and spirit-filled, but it would still be nice to see. It led them to safety and delivered them to the promised land. It gave them something to follow, something tangible with their eyes. Now, of course, we don't have that, but we, we walk by faith and not by sight. We have the stories, we have the testimonies, we have the word, we have encouragement, we have prophecy, real prophecy, not fake prophecy. And it stood there according to the word to this day, meaning from the time that the book of Joshua was written from beginning to end, it was there. And as a reminder... Nowhere does it say the book of Joshua that Joshua was the author, but we see sometimes in the phrasing, it's him who's speaking. But when they say to this day in the reference to the book of Jasher as a source for Joshua, indicate the book was written after Joshua's death, some of it from his notes or whatever um, he dictated. But we know it's his story. We know it's their story. And we know it's our story. See, that's why I'm sharing this with you. That's why I'm taking you through this journey step by step. And as of now, I only know that we're going to get to the Battle of Jericho. I, don't, I really don't know what the Lord will do after that. But I see so many lessons here. I see so many things that we as a church in 2021 need to learn but I don't see us learning it. I don't even know what to say. I had a long conversation with Pastor Shelley today, and it was great because I love to talk to him on Bible study day because we can discuss Scripture and I can pick his brain, and, and he gets going even at 92 years old. The, 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 the stories and the information are still there. We're not getting it. The church is in a place where it's not getting it. 
The other thing about this miracle that I found important was that the other nations would recognize the power of God. Boy, do we need that today. I will tell you from my interaction with the enemy and from what I do for the kingdom, if you think the enemy is afraid of you, you're not paying attention. The enemy's dancing and cheering and partying and has no fear of the church right now. Oh, I know that doesn't preach well and it doesn't match the memes you hear or the videos you see on YouTube. But back then they were afraid of the living God. When your children ask their fathers in time to come, say, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And yet they forgot buried under in the water, cease to inquire about them. But will anybody know if no one reminds them? If you don't share your testimony, testimony, will anybody know what the Lord did? If you don't share with them praise reports of what he has done, miraculously saving you, getting you to the hospital on time, if you don't attach his name to it, if you don't have the boldness to let people know who did it for you, how will they know? Oh, we're afraid to say anything. We're afraid to be banned or punished or I don't know. I'm not. But how will anyone know if no one reminds them? The Jordan is a natural reminder of the wonder of God. And the steps of faith that it took into the Jordan are vital to our journey today. Because the Gospels that we read, the Gospels that touch us, that we follow, begin at the Jordan River. It was there that John the Baptist came preaching about the coming kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. One of the most important events of that time in the Jordan was John the Baptist baptizing his cousin, Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua. And it came to pass that in those days that Yeshua came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, Mark 1, 9. Matthew three thirteen through 17. Then Yeshua came from Galilee to John at the Jordan River to be baptized him. But John tried to prevent him, vigorously protesting, saying, It is I who need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Yeshua replied to him, Permit it just now, for this is the fitting way for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John permitted it and baptized him. And after Yeshua was baptized, it came up immediately out of the water. And behold, the heavens were opened. And he, John saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting upon him, upon Yeshua. And behold, a voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased and delighted. You see, the place 
where they crossed over into the promised land. By early church fathers and even rabbinical messianic teachers is where Yeshua was baptized. Reliable data from the first four centuries of the church that the location of Yeshua's baptism by John the Baptist is at a spot in the Jordan, just five miles north of the Dead Sea, near the city of Jericho. Isn't that amazing? But we serve an amazing God. Everything he does has a plan. Everything he does has a meaning. It's all laid out because he sees the beginning from the end. He sees all of time at once. And whatever he allows to happen is because it fits his purpose. You may not like what's going on in the world today, but he has allowed it to happen to fit his purpose. That same area of the baptism, five miles from the Dead Sea, is connected to the ascension of Elijah. A little hill just further up the bank where he was taken up into heaven. So what's the significance of Yeshua being baptized at the same spot that the children of Israel crossed over into the promised land? Well, Israel is fulfilled in Yeshua, but they failed in their agreement with God. They failed in their covenant with God through sin and disobedience, but Yeshua did not. He fulfilled where they failed. And the old covenant of law demanded perfection, but at every term, Israel revealed themselves imperfect. It took Yeshua to do that. That whole area, he performed miracles. He spoke in parables. He taught. He was the miracle. Those stones, remember I said, remember the stones that are under the water that marked where they were. I won't know till I see him, but I want to ask him how feet, how close were your feet to those stones that day, Lord? What I'm getting, what I want you to understand, no matter what you're going through, he's got it figured out. He already knows where it's going. If you will trust him, if you will do what you're supposed to do, he'll do what he's supposed to do. Remember this thing about prophecy, and not everybody who speaks prophecy is a prophet. We don't have time for that today. But remember this about prophecy. Prophecy is conditional. The person must do their part. The children of Israel were promised in prophecy that the promised land. It took 400 years and a 40-year perfection for it to happen. God will always do what he's going to do. We're the ones that have to do our part. See, he's a loving father to his people. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, when Israel was a child, a young nation, I loved them. I called my son out of Egypt. And the more the prophets called them to repentance and obedience, the more they went away from them. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning incense to the carved images. And then in Matthew 2, verses 14 and 15, when Joseph got up and took the child Yeshua and his mother at night 
and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This is what they were warned about, what Herod was doing. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Hosea. Out of Egypt I called my son. See what I mean? From the time that the prophet spoke to the time that it happened, God had ordained it. He fulfilled it. That word fulfill means to render perfect or to be complete. The prophecy from Hosea 11.1 refers to the nation of Israel as God's son coming out of Egypt. In the Exodus, Yeshua is the son of God and is Israel Messiah, the true Israel. Prophecy rendered perfect or complete. But, you know, go back to Hosea 11.2. The more the prophets called them to repentance and obedience, the more they went away from them. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning incense to the carved images. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed, church. If you think the church has escaped Israel's mistakes, you're mistaken. We're still doing it. But Yeshua rendered everything perfect. He made it complete. Matthew five seventeen. Do not think that I came to destroy the Lord or the, the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill, to render perfect, to complete it. He completed what Israel failed to accomplish. He carried it through to the end. First Corinthians fifteen twenty two for as in Adam all die, even so in Messiah all shall be made alive. You know that word Hebrew? It means to cross over. That's what it means. Abraham crossed over from false gods to the one and only true God. He crossed over physically by leaving his homeland and heading towards the promised land. The Israelites were delivered from the Egyptians, false gods, as they crossed through the Red Sea and then crossed through the Jordan into the promised land. We're always walking away from the demonic. We're always walking away from the false gods. We're always walking away from the lies. Oh, people don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about demons or false gods. Oh, those are just imaginary mythological creatures. They're they're plaster of Paris statues and stone objects. No, they're not. Fallen angels and their demonic offspring. Kingdom of darkness. But we're always walking away from it. I walked away. I crossed over. I experienced my miracle of faith by praying the prayer of salvation, by confessing with my mouth and believing in my heart. Steps of faith, miracles, and the fulfillment of promises. Israel is entering the promised land, the long-awaited dream that they'd, they'd heard for so many years, even after wandering in the desert for 40 years. Finally, the fulfillment of a 400-year Abrahamic covenant of promise, one of the foundational covenants of the Bible. That's what we're talking about. But even Yeshua saving us is a foundational covenant. The other thing about prophecy and the promises of God, they are fulfilled in his timing. 
not man's. Ephesians 1.10 tells us that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Messiah, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. That's a promise. That's a prophecy to be fulfilled that he has already seen happen because he is outside of time. Believe. Don't be talked out of believing, or you will never enter the promises. The waters of the Jordan stopped flowing the moment the the priest took a step of faith into the water. He required them. He could have done it while they were standing on the banks, but no, he required them to take a step of faith, and then he acted. In that same way, our Heavenly Father asks us to take a step of faith before he moves. So what what step of faith do you need in your life to cross over into the promises? What's hindering you and holding you back? What are you dragging with you from Egypt that he's telling you to let go of? See, the amazing thing about the Word, the amazing thing about putting um, this together is that we're all at different places, but it applies to each and every one of us. To the person that's been saved a short time, to the person that's been saved a long time. He deals with us individually as his sons and daughters. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Come to him, the risen Lord. As to a living stone which men rejected and threw away, but which is a choice and precious, in the, which is choice and precious in the sight of God, you believers are like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house, for a holy and dedicated priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God. Through Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus the Messiah. What are our memorials? What reminders do we have of the miracles of God, what he's done for us? Maybe you have to sit down and make a list. Maybe you have to set aside some time with him. And think about it from the time you got saved to now. If you did that, if you said, Holy Spirit, help me to remember You'd find out you have more than one or two times that he has answered your prayers, times that he has come through for you, times that you have had um, something to remember that becomes a memorial that you share with others, the power of a testimony. The other thing that we miss in the church today, so few people have the opportunity to give a testimony. That was one of the great things about having a home church. Somebody would have something happen that week and they'd be able to share a testimony that would encourage somebody else who would get a miracle the next week. We need reminders. We're human. We're, we're fallible. We forget. We get caught up in the world. We get weighed down by what the enemy's doing. At those moments, when you see the rivers of trouble rising, 
when you see yourself about to be engulfed, look for the memorial. Look for the stones of what he's got, what the Lord has done for you. And as I said, you may need to make a list. I get to speak and teach so much, I don't. I, I just have them in my brain. But I'm sure if I sat down, and make, I'd remember things that I've not seen as important as the others. I want you to cross over. But I want you to understand that it takes effort to do it. It takes your obedience. It takes your faith. It takes you following him and walking with him and trusting him. It takes you understanding that in the promised land are giants that you may have to displace. But he's going to be with you. There's so much to what they went through that if we would just step, step back and look, we'd see how it applies to us. And the thing about these memorials, what are you passing down to your children? Remember, that's what it was about. The testimonies, the stories, the miracles. What are we passing down to our children? Are we passing down junk? Are we passing down garbage? Are we passing down worthless information? Or are we passing down faith? Are we passing down the word of God? What are we, what are we giving them? Raise up a child in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it. We have a generation of children that are lost because their parents never set them on the right path. My sincere desire, the reason that I do this, Beside the fact that I like it, I like talking about the Word, I like studying, I like spending the time with the Lord, but the reason I do this is I'm trying to get you, some of you, I'm trying to pull you into the land of promise so that you can walk in the fullness of what he has for you. So, Father, I pray right now. I pray that you're opening up the minds of your children. You're reminding them of things you you did for them. Holy Spirit, I ask that you do that. You're the one who reminds us of the word. You reminds us, remind us of Yeshua, what he said. I'm asking you, remind us of what he did. Begin to speak. Begin to touch. Take away the lies and the condemnation of the enemy. Take away all the false teachings and begin to bring to us those River of Jordan moments, those miracle moments, so that we by faith could have our Jericho moments. Lord, we love you. We're not going to make it without you. We're not going to make it without your help without you going before us, without you leading us, speaking us to us, correcting us. So much, Lord, there is to learn in this word. And yet we forget, just like they forgot about the memorial under the water. Lord, my brothers and sisters, many of whom have been surrounded by 
rough water right now. We're asking that you hold it back. We're asking that you bolster their faith so that they can walk over and get to the other side of wherever they are. Fulfill your promises, Lord. I just ask all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. So that's your assignment. Nobody's going to check on it. I'm not going to ask you to submit it. Your assignment is to sit down with the Lord and remember all the things he's done for you. Write them down. Create memorial stones to remind yourselves of everything he's done for you as you crossed over into the promises. If you do that, your faith will begin to expand. You'll be magnified. Your spirit man will be magnified. And that spark of faith will become a raging fire. And the Holy Spirit will help you do it. I really believe that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.